Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. We're live. We're we live. are live. Yeah. Um, longevity. Mm. The subject of longevity. Um, it's something that I think becomes more important as you get older, because sometimes, sometimes it almost becomes the goal. And what I mean by that, actually, I read something that Steve Maxwell wrote recently, where Steve Maxwell is a guy who's been doing jujitsu for since the 80s. And he was wrestling in college in the 70s. I think Steve is 69 now. So he's been grappling since he was about seven years old. So 60 plus years of grappling, 35 years of jiu-jitsu. Um, and he's always somebody I look to for guidance because to me it's important to look at somebody 20, 30 years older, see how they are physically, see how they are sort of mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and be like, I want to be like that. So I'm going to listen to that guy because it's hard to listen to somebody who's 30, you know, 30 years old talk to me about longevity because it's like, man, I'm, I'm literally old enough to be your father. And so really, you should be listening to me about longevity. <laughs> and so when I was listening to Steve Maxwell, he was talking about how he's like, you know, I, I look at it right now, I'm 69. And, you know, I, I get depressed about the fact I don't look as good as I looked 20 years ago. And, and I don't move the way I did 20 years ago. But then I realized most of the people my age can't even get on the mat. So the fact that I can just get on the mat and still I'm able to train at all, that becomes the win. It no longer becomes the idea of like, I have to, you know, I'm a black belt, so I have to beat all the young blue belts or purple belts. It's like, no, the fact that I'm on the mat, that most black belts are so injured they can't train, that most people my age are so injured they can't even walk, being on the mat becomes the win. Yes. And as much as it's like, yeah, you don't want to set your sights too low and sort of shortchange yourself and things like that. Managing expectations is one of the ways that I think you stay happy in life. And as we've talked about quite a bit in 2022, that is one of my goals. That is one of your goals is is happiness. And one way to do that, I think, is is managing expectations in a realistic way. And one way of achieving that is gearing things towards longevity. So lately I've been reading, as always, a lot of different stuff. And, and the last two books I read were a book by Michael Dell, the guy who started Dell Industries, which is a huge multi-multi-billion dollar company here in Austin, Texas. Never heard of it. Very successful guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, 150,000 people that work at Dell throughout the world. Um, and then the other book was Foxcatcher, which is by a guy named Mark Schultz. And people have probably seen the movie, the Steve Carell, Channing Tatum movie. Um, and that is about uh, two brothers that become high-level wrestlers. They both win the Olympic gold medal. And Mark Schultz's older brother, Dave Schultz, is murdered by this eccentric millionaire guy named John DuPont. And I'm always looking for connections. I'm like, what? because to me, it's like, well, what can I see? What sort of through line can I see in these different things? And, and what I saw was was longevity on Michael Dell's part. And ironically enough, in the Foxcatcher book, on Dave Schultz, the guy who was murdered, 
So even the guy who lives the least amount of time to me still was living his life in that sort of longevity oriented fashion that we're talking about. So it just got me thinking about that. And then um, you brought up some really interesting stuff from your past and your boxing past um, about sometimes people do things, especially in sort of either competitive things where there might be sort of glory or accolades or financial things where they might be really good at something, but they don't enjoy it. So then it becomes something where there's a lot of pressure. There's a pressure to succeed and achieve in something that they have skill in, but they don't have enjoyment in. And in your mind and in my mind as well, a lot of times that leads to burnout. And I thought it'd be interesting because I mean, you talked about it and you have the unique perspective of being somebody who was skilled at, in my mind, top three hardest sports ever invented, which is boxing. I think that boxing, wrestling, and and probably MMA are the three hardest sports that exist because they require speed, athleticism, you know, all the things that, that sports require, but there's something primal about fighting. And you were talking about the idea of no one really looks forward to sparring day in boxing. Like, they are hyped up about it. They feel adrenaline. They feel different emotions. But no one's just like, oh, it's going to be so much fun, like smiling. I mean, maybe they do, but even that is probably some sort of front. Like almost everybody gets nervous. Before. Only when you have like weak sparring partners. Then you yeah, like, exactly. can't wait for sparring day. Yeah. If you're Kramer. Like Mayweather yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so, it, it was always, um, you know, getting the phone call from your coach. It's like, hey, you know, we got sparring today. And uh, just to let you know, we got some other fighters coming from San Antonio and here and here. And, uh, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, he's probably going to be a world champion. He's going to be there, too. I think we should get some rounds with him. You know, that's great experience. And you're like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, today's going to be tough. It's going to make me better because the obstacle of the, is usually the way and in, in, uh, in, in just about everything. But in, definitely in, in um, combat sports, man, you, there's no easy way to become good. That's yeah. just the thing about it. But for me... It was like we were talking about playing basketball as, as a kid or, you know, playing football as a kid. And, you know, I'm not talking about even competitive in school. I'm just talking about it's summertime and there is no school and your friends come over and they're like, hey, we're going to play basketball from, you know, the time the sun comes up till the sun comes down. Nobody was any good at it, but we did it and we had fun. And, you know, yeah. I'm not I, I, I always thought it was very interesting when I found guys like that that were, that felt the same way about combat sports. I yeah. definitely felt like my coach was one of those people. Like he loved it. And he, he was the guy that was like, Hey, uh, let's spar every day, you know, and it's just so much fun and, and really, really loved fighting. But I don't think, and I'm, you know, I, I don't think that the majority of people that are in combat sports and again, I, you know, it's hard for me to speak on it, right? Because I don't know what everybody thinks, but from my own personal experience, it is tough. Like the people that choose combat sports usually choose it, in my opinion, from just the people that have been around, stable mates that I was around 20 years ago. They choose it because it's the only option that they have. Like I often ask the question, if I offered Mayweather or McGregor or anyone, I think Habib is one of those unique people that loves to do it, right? Yeah. Um, but even then, like Habib retired super retired early, right? Early. Yeah, super early. Exactly. Um, I mean, he could have done a lot more. He was at, you know, still a lot of people say he was he was just barely hitting his prime. Yeah. Um, but I, I often wonder if you ask people like 
like if you were a genie and you were like, uh, hey, Mayweather, I'll give you the same exact skill. You can make the same exact money, but now you're going to be playing tennis or golf. I don't know if he's going to be like, nah, I'd rather box, you know? Um, I, I, I just think that, that combat sports is one of those, those really hard sports where there's people that either it's the only option they have yeah. or number two, they're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it what, for what it can indirectly bring them, right? One of the analogies we were talking about before we started recording was like a person who's an actor who's really good at acting, but he really doesn't have a passion for it. But he loves the thing that acting can indirectly bring them, such as a platform and money and fame and all those types of things, right? And I know that there was a lot of competitive athletes that they were born with this natural ability, a knack for being very good at that particular sport, but they really didn't have a passion for it. So the question becomes, well, why did they do it? And the why is something that we need to return back and, and kind of discuss, because I think that that really is a, an important question, is always knowing your why. And I think the reason why they did it is because they were good at it. It brought them attention, yeah. because when you're good at something, people like to be around greatness, right? Yeah. You don't even have to be the best. You can just be good, and people are inspired by that and they want to be around it and they think that some of it's going to rub off on them. And a lot of times in combat sports, it does. Yeah. How good you are really does sometimes depend on your training partners, right? Yeah. And I saw this a lot in boxing. I saw guys that had really good sparring partners and they weren't maybe the most naturally talented fighters, but whoa, they would go on and they would, they would really win some big fights and some big tournaments in, in the amateurs. Um, and then you saw the guys that had weak sparring partners and, and um, you know, maybe they got by on some talent, but they didn't progress as well. Yeah. Um, and I just really think that something like uh, boxing, something like wrestling, um, if you're if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, if you're not doing it for yourself, like you really enjoy it, yeah. then there's not going to be longevity. You're almost looking for a way out all the time, right? Yep. But the reason why it's hard to walk away is because so many people have invested time in you. So many people, because you brought them on board to begin with, you're like, hey, I need your help because I want to be good at this. Yeah. So they give you their time. They give you their support. Then at some point, they're like, okay, he's starting to win. She's starting to win. I'm going to go all in on this person. And it's like, oh, now these people are all in on me. How do I get out of this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and boxing is tough, man. I mean, I was reading somewhere. I, I can't remember who it was. I, I think it was actually uh, Daniel Kelly. Uh, the, yeah, the jiu-jitsu. Uh, yeah, yeah I think she's a silver fox grappler. Yep. Um, and she did a post recently where she talked about, like, nerves uh, before competition. And, and, and when she would get on the mat, uh, she would say something like, why am I doing this again, Right. Uh, cause so, 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 uh, dealing with those nerves and yeah. for me, it was different. It was, it was, I would get into the ring. Well, I'll tell you, it was like the, the worst part was training was great. Lo actually loved the training, right? Sparring was tough. Making weight was miserable. Yeah. Um, but I loved the training. I loved the training. Um, the worst part of fighting was always like the 30 minutes right before you're about to walk out to the ring 
And I'm telling you, man, your mind will play all sorts of tricks on you. I don't care what sort of mental training you've done up until competition about, you know, building your mental strength and visualizing the success and the win and all that type of thing and being just being tough and hardcore. Man, your mind like will just literally there were times where my mind was like maybe if I slip and fall and yeah, exactly. walking to the ring yeah. you know and you're like no I can't do that my coach will see right through that yeah. you know <laughs> and so um literally I was looking for a way out all the way up until the point I got into the ring and then I was kind of like there's no way out I guess I'm gonna have to fight my way out of this right yeah. And the entire time, instead of thinking, like, why am I doing this again? It was like, how did I get myself in this situation was what I was thinking, right? It's like, how did what? Why would I? Why would I do this? This is crazy. You know, I'm going to get knocked out in front of all these people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, so and I think that I, and I think that's normal. And I tell you, I had a uh, I actually had a roommate um, at the Golden Glove Nationals who ended up representing the Olympic team, I think, in 2008. Um and he was a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. Hmm. Um, and I'm telling you, like, he had this persona where he would I, – I thought this kid was fearless, just fearless. I mean, he would call people out. He would talk trash to everybody. He had a very different persona from what I had. I was kind of, like, low-key under the radar. Um, and he was, like, you could tell – You know, he would have been a very, very good professional fighter because this kid knew how he already knew how to hype, uh, you know, fights. Yeah. Um, And uh, I remember flying into uh, Omaha with the National Golden Gloves, uh, get to the hotel, you know, um, and he's, you know, get, get in to my room. He's already in the bed, literally curled up in a ball in a blanket. And I'm like brother, man, what, what, are you okay? Are you sick? And he's like, man, I'm scared, you know? And that's when I realized, I was like, even this kid, you know, he, he flips the switch and he turns on this persona, yeah. right? <clears throat> but even he's dealing with fear. And, and it wasn't always, um, it, it, a lot of times it wasn't fear of fighting. Like, it was fear of losing. It was fear of letting people down, right? And I think towards the end when I started fighting, where my boxing went to another level is when I stopped caring about winning and losing, right? And a lot of people say that. They're like, oh, I, I, I don't care about winning and losing anymore. But nah, your actions are going to show that. And what I mean by that is when you care too much about winning and you care too much about losing, you often don't fight to win. You fight not to lose. It's a very protective strategy, right? One of the best examples I've ever seen of this is when Oscar De La Hoya fought Felix Trinidad. He was up on the scorecards. Towards the later rounds, Oscar De La Hoya's corner told him, hey, stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. So he fought to protect his lead as opposed to trying to continue to win. And he ended up losing the fight on a decision, right? Yeah. And we see this in life a lot. We see this in investing a lot, right? People get a certain amount of money and they're no longer investing or using the same fundamentals that they use to become successful in their businesses. It's more about protecting the wealth that they already have accumulated, right? Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that I think in, in combat sports and I think in sports in general, I think it's bad. Yeah. I feel like you play to win and the only, and, and you cannot, and actually you don't play to win. You just play. So you don't worry about winning. 
you don't worry about losing. Everything is done in preparation for competition, whether it's football, basketball, boxing, MMA, jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And then when it comes down to competition, like you just got to be in the zone and you just got to react. And, and, and I told you, I had to simplify things towards the end. And I, you know, it's always like, oh, if I would have known this, you know, when I first started boxing, yeah. when I first started boxing, I was very much stick, move, strategize, um, try to win on points, you know, and I wouldn't take a lot of risks, right? Um, when I got towards the end, it was more like, I don't care about winning or losing. And that was a good way for me to edge my, to like, to alleviate my stress yeah. because I put a lot of stress on myself about winning and not letting people down and, and, uh, just being afraid to lose. Um, so once I got to the point, I was like, man, forget about it. It's like, I don't care if I win or I lose. My thing is just going to be, I, my goal is just to hit them as much as I can hit them. Right. Just keep touching them. And it came to a point where like mentally I was telling you the other day, I was like, I want to hit this guy. I don't care what the judges say. I just want to hit him until he stops breathing. Right. And, and that's it. I mean, that's combat sports, right? Anybody that tells you different, it's, it's, it's like even the professionals, I hate when they do, I don't hate when they do it. That's kind of a strong word, but they're like, at the end of the fight, they're like, yeah, I'm just glad that both of us came out alive. And I think that they, I think they really mean that, right? Cause the fight's over yeah. and they're like, yeah, at the end, I'm, I'm glad that we, we both made it out alive. Don't get me wrong though. Leading up to the fight and training, your goal is to kill. That is that is that is what you're there to do. It's this is legalized murder. And and yeah. and anybody that says different, they're yeah. lying to you. Like whenever your goal is to knock another person unconscious, hey, I don't know if that guy's ever going to get up again. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. if that's your goal to knock him unconscious, then you know, to a certain degree it's like, yeah, if you die, you know, like they said in Rocky Force, if he dies, he dies, if he dies, he dies <laughs> right? Um, and I'm glad that you didn't die at the end of the fight. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you didn't die. And I'm glad I didn't die. Right. Like we can fight again, but leading up to the fight, I know this guy wants to kill me and you should be trying to do the same, uh, to him. And yeah. so it was not about for me at towards the end, it should not be about winning or losing. I think that you just, um, you go into auto, you have to find a way to get into that autopilot. Um, but longevity Longevity, if you're there for the wrong reasons, there is no way you're going to make it in combat sports. There is absolutely no way. You're going to you're going to find a way out. Whether you some I mean I think people sometimes wreck their own bodies, um give yes. themselves a reason yeah, as a way to get out of this sport looking for an exit. And, and and to a certain degree, I don't blame them. It's not it's 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 a tough sport. Um it's a tough sport to be in. But you got to know your you have to know your why. Whether you're investing and you're an entrepreneur, you got to know your why. If you're doing it for someone else or if you're doing it to get attention or fame or a platform, there's not going to be a, a lot of longevity there, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Dude, that's good stuff, man. Um, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking um, I saw a post that Conor McGregor put up just the other day because I guess now he's got you know, he owned the, the proper 12, the whiskey company, uh -huh. but now he's, he's got like a, um, a stout, oh, he's got a stout company now too. Like, so like Guinness, you know, like the dark beer, they've got like, not, it's not called the McGregor stout, but he's got his own stout company now, which is a very uh, popular stout in Ireland and things like that. So he's got a picture of the stout. He's got a picture of the proper 12 whiskey. And he's like, Oh, don't worry, my fight fans. Uh, I'm about to stop drinking so that I can start <laughs> training again. And I'm just like, 
you're, you can't, you could maybe diversify in other businesses. So in other words, yeah, he's got the whiskey company, he's got the stout company. He could start a pizza company. You know, he could start other businesses, but you can't dabble in combat. You can't. And, it, and it's one of those things that, um, it was interesting. I was watching a documentary on Rocky Marciano recently, 49 and 0, retired at 32. And, you know, a lot of people are like, man, he was right at the peak of his career. Why did he retire? And I'm like, did you ever watch the guy fight? I mean, good Lord. It's like every fight was a brawl, was a 15-round brawl. And it's like you only got so many of those in you, not only physically, but I think just the the mental, like, when you have a style that's you're going to take a lot of damage, you're going to have to outwill the other person. How many outwills do you have in your mind? You know what I mean? If let's say if it's mental, how many mental battles can you win? Because I don't think they get easier over time in in sports like this. I think if anything, they probably get harder over time because your why, like you said, starts getting corrupted. Because if your why is like, I want to get out of the ghetto or get out of this situation, okay, well, you're Conor McGregor, you're on your way to becoming a billionaire now. You're off welfare now. You know, your kids, kids, kids are probably not going to have to ever work if they don't want to. So financially, you're already set. So, okay, that why is done. Well, what's your next why? Well, I want to be world champion in, in multiple weight divisions. Okay, you've done that too. Okay, I want to fight the best boxer. In the, okay, you did that too. Like, you're running out of whys. And this idea of, the, I want to beat Dustin Poirier because he did this, nah, it's not a very strong why. You know what I mean? And I think the danger with something like combat is that you can get hurt badly hurt uh, in a way that you're not going to get hurt in other sports. And why this reminds me of this, the Foxcatcher book that I read is you have two brothers. You have Mark Schultz, Channing Tatum in the movie, and you've got Dave Schultz, Mark Ruffalo in the movie. And in many ways, the Channing Tatum character is the much more natural athlete because he didn't start wrestling till he was like a senior in high school. And two years later, he's winning national championships in college, which is Crazy. That's incredibly talented. So he was a, he was, and if you ever see Mark Schultz back in the day, he's jacked up and he was, he has a, a total violence. It's called Mark Schultz, total violence on YouTube. It's awesome. It's just him, a wrestling highlight. And he's just destroying people, but he was miserable. And he talks about it in this book. He's like, I never liked competing. He's like, I hated the whole thing. I never wanted to talk to anyone. I'd always wear sunglasses so no one could look me in the face and no one wanted to talk to me or get to know me. I never joked around. I felt nothing but just relief when it was over. I didn't feel any joy. I didn't feel any happiness. And then there was immediate like impending feeling of like, okay, now we got the next competition. And as I did better, it was even more miserable because now there was expectations and people, you know, once I won an NCAA champion, okay, I have to win the next one. When I win two, oh my God, if I don't win the third, I'm a total failure. And he just talks about this, this whole book. And I remember telling you about this and your first question was, why is he doing this? And I was like, I don't know. And then you brought in your, your thing of boxing, which I thought would be interesting too. When you said, when you were talking about quitting, like that you were telling one of your fellow boxers what you were thinking. Yeah. Um, so uh, I remember, uh, you know, like I said, you're only as good as, as some of your sparring partners. And I remember when I was already thinking about kind of, uh, you know, there was this expectation about uh, turning pro and, and, yeah. um, and, you know, all, you know, all the skills are going to, you're going to be able to monetize the skill now. Right. 
And I was like, man, I was already feeling like, eh, the longevity is, I, I, you know, if, if you're feeling that way before you turn pro, yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. That's what it's going to be is your, is your one foot it one foot in one foot out. And you cannot do that in combat sports. You'll get wrecked. Yeah. So, um, I remember I was like, okay, um, you know, you try to get a vibe for, because you care about, you know, you should be, I don't know if you should. I, I, I did. I cared about what the people that had helped me train and prepare. Yeah. I, I cared about what they thought. Yeah. So I remember we were watching some competition and, and, you know, we were spectators and I think we were maybe supporting one of, one of the other guys that, that was a, uh, a stable mate. And, and I just mentioned like uh, during the break, I was like, man, I think I'm, I think I'm done. And I remember one of the sparring, one of my, one of my close sparring partners for a long time, just kind of didn't even look at me. was like, man, what a waste of talent. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that's the thing is, is that I, I, you kind of look at it in terms of, man, if either you don't want to, you almost feel guilty because somebody else appears to want what you have yeah. and you feel guilty about not wanting what some, what someone else would die for. Right. Yep. And it's like, well, I guess I have to keep fighting because I don't want to waste this. Right. right. But you talked a, a little bit about you got to know your why, but also how strong is your why is, is, is another thing because we can make up whys, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm doing it because of this and I'm doing it because yeah. of that. But it has to be a strong why or just it, it, it doesn't work. It's going to feel yeah. especially something like combat sports, something where, you know, you're uh, like I said, someone's going to try to rip your arm off or break your neck or someone's going to try to knock you unconscious you better know why you're doing this, you know, yeah. and it better be a, a strong why. And I, and I think you're right. The majority of people, I'll give you an, an, another example. I remember, man, the will to win is everything in combat sports. In my opinion, that's what I love about it so much. I mean, that's what the movie, and I, it's not like that in other sports. I, I, I don't, I think the will to win means something, Yeah. but I think that size, strength, yeah. skill, skill level, yeah. Yeah, it, it makes I don't care. Like if my will to win is greater than Michael Jordan's, yeah. I'm never going to beat him at basketball. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. does not matter. Yeah. However, in a fight, yeah. holy smokes, I yeah. saw so many times where the guy that was not talented, yeah. but he just had an unbreakable will and he imposed yep. that will on another human being and yeah. broke the other human being. Yeah. Right. So take Habib, but without Habib's skill, like yeah. that's what made Habib great. Yes. Is that Habib, even if he took all his skill away, yeah. just his mental toughness alone yep. would have got him a lot of success. I don't know if he'd be, you know, as successful. Well, he probably wouldn't be as successful, but I guarantee you he still would have gone so far yes. just because of his ability to impose his will on another human being and break them, right? And I remember one time, you know, you're 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 kind of uh, you're doing well in all your sparring sessions. And then, you know, your coach is going to be like, eh, this is not helping him. He needs to be tested, right? You got to have someone's going to push him. So, you know, coach brought in some tougher sparring. Um, one of these guys was from Guatemala. He was my sparring partner for the next two years. And I, and I tell you, he didn't get the attention that I got, um, when it came from the coaches. Um, so by all, by all means, I should have been the more skillful fighter. And I think I did. I think I had more tools in my, in my tool belt than he did. 
Um, but and he wasn't that much heavier, so I couldn't. I would have liked to have used that as an excuse. But being real and looking in the mirror, I mean, he he only fought one division higher than me, right? So he wasn't that much bigger. But boy, did he put it to me every Tuesdays and Thursdays in the evening. I, I mean, to the point where I was like, I guess I'm gonna go get beat up again today. And this went on for a couple of years. And I remember just being so demoralized and talking to my coach on the way back. He's driving me back home, and. I, I tell him that I was like, he doesn't have my skill set. He doesn't have the, he's not getting the attention that I'm getting. Um, he works as hard as I do for sure. Um, and he's not that much heavier, but why is he taking it to me? And he basically said, you know, he, he came from like the hardships of Guatemala. Like yeah. this, he's trying to become a professional fighter. His why is super strong is basically yeah. what he's telling me. And basically a long-winded way of saying his his will to win is greater than yours. He's yeah. imposing his will upon you, right? Yeah. And he looked at it as if if I if I Mo is getting more attention than I am from the from the coaches, I want to get more attention than he is. Um, so the way to do that is to beat up Mo every Tuesday and Thursday. And the coach <laughs> is going to be like Mo is uh, you know Mo's not the number one guy there anymore, right? He's the number two guy, um, and that's 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 boxing that's competitive uh combat sports um the will to win i mean that's what rocky that's why people love to see rocky right because rocky he didn't he he was terrible he's probably the worst fighter that ever lived he he blocked all the punches with his head right uh but what people loved about rocky is because he delivered this message that if you just get up you're never out of the fight. And that's yeah. true with, with boxing. It's not true with any other sport. It's yeah. true with combat sports. If you get yes. up, there is always the chance that you can catch your opponent. You yeah. know, if you can impose yeah. that will and break them and take them into the later rounds, you know, yeah. and then really going to see, does he really want to be there? Does he want to be there? Does she want to be there as much as you? And that's why you got to have the strong why. Yeah. Have yeah. The why. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, you know, they always say that, um, the worst thing is when a fight ends up being harder than it should be. So when you go with somebody where you're like more skilled and you're like, oh, I'm going to dust this guy. I'm going to smash this guy. And then they don't go away or like you can and you can put this from almost any type of combat. It's like, you know, if it's wrestling where it's like you get deep in on the legs and you get you, he's hopping, hopping and just somehow he's slipping out or jujitsu. It's like you're putting your best submissions on the guy. And you're like, I've got this guy. And then all of a sudden he wiggles his way out somehow or boxing. It's like you're giving him your best stuff. And it's not like he's you're missing. You're hitting this dude. You're doing whatever. But it's like, why is he not bothered by the fact that I'm hitting him cleanly and hard? Like this should bother him. He should be like backing up and he's not. And that is the hardest thing when someone is just their will is simply stronger than yours. And, and the reason for it is is more that is a tough thing to realize when you have more skill than somebody, but they're not they're just not going away. Yeah, it, it demoralizing. I think, you know, you watch even uh, Amanda Nunes when she fought um, just recently, Juliana Pena. And and on paper, Amanda is better everywhere. She's better striking. She's better on the ground. But Pena just wasn't going away. And Amanda was hitting her boom with that right hand that has floored every woman she's fought. And Juliana, like you could see, is like, okay, it hurts. Boom, she's back in the fight. Boom, it hurts. Back in the fight. And she kept doing that and doing that. And I, you could see Amanda's like, what do I got to do? Like, I've hit this woman as hard as I can hit her with my best punch. 
and it's knocked everybody else out or it's or it's made them look for a way out, like you said. And that's the thing where it's like you see the person where all of a sudden they're they're hurt, but they're letting you know that they're hurt versus somebody who's like not going to let you know they're hurt. And that's a different mentality. And it's like, you know, you see this in MMA a lot when the person gets the rear naked choke. Most of the time it's because the other person is hurt and wants a way out. Because when they get choked, it's like when Amanda got choked, she's not hand. She's just as soon as the, the choke. Okay, she's tapping because they're looking for a way out. And a lot of that, I think, is because the fight ended up being harder than it should. And that's a, that's just an interesting quality of of person and, and of fighting of, and of being that sort of that sort of mentally strong. Um, and I think the way that we can sort of come full circle with this is, is understanding that, like you said, the importance of your why. And with longevity, I think it's important to remember that that why is probably going to evolve and change over time. Because when it doesn't, it can become very destructive. And, and what I mean by that is I've met people that are wildly successful financially, but they grew up poor and insecure about money and about, you know, what not having money meant to them as a kid. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is sometimes they hold on to that so tight that as a person, an adult who can literally buy almost anything they see, any car, any house, this, that, they're doing that to try and appease the the inner child in them instead of maybe getting some therapy and maybe sort of understanding that that is no longer the issue and maybe the new why should be something different. And what I mean that is not that you should stop working or that you have to give all your money away or anything like that, but if you're trying to fill this hole to make your young self feel better, that will never work and you will be miserable. And sometimes money allows you to make many more people many much more miserable. You know what I mean? It's like money magnifies things. Like if you're kind of a dick and you have no money, eh, you can make a few people miserable. But if you're a dick and you have a lot of money, you can make a lot of people miserable. You That's can the- magnify it. And I, I, to me, the problem with all that is, is it's not sustainable. And what I got from, from this Foxcatcher book, bringing it back to that, is Mark Schultz, incredibly talented, but did not like rest, like was almost resentful towards wrestling and the life that it led to him. And he, he quit wrestling at 27. Now, his brother Dave loved it, loved the whole thing, loved the idea of traveling. He taught his brother Dave taught himself Russian so that he could meet with Russian wrestling coaches and talk to them and, and befriend them. And he was he enjoyed the whole thing. And so even though Dave was murdered at a young age, he was murdered at 36, he was still competing in wrestling at 36, which is pretty old for wrestling, especially of that era. And he was trying to make the Olympics again in 1996 when he had won gold in 1984. So 12 years later, he still has Olympic aspirations. He's still competing. He's still training all the time. Meanwhile, his younger brother had been retired for like eight or nine years at that point. So to me, it was like when I read that, I was like, well, why did Dave continue and why did Dave bring all these people into his life? And, you know, why was he sort of this magnet for positivity? And his brother, Mark, was was just really came across as kind of a bitter person. And I think a lot of it was the why, because, you know, David almost looked at wrestling as like this 
this expression of love, it seemed like, you know, and, and, and coming to it from such a positive thing. And, and let me find what I really enjoy about competing because there's going to be the nerves and there's going to be the whole, like, why am I doing this and all that? That's always going to happen. But if you can find a way to angle that into something positive that makes you joyful, I think you'll last a lot longer. And bringing this to the other book, just very quickly to the Michael Dell book, that's what I got out of Michael Dell's book is he's a guy who started his company when he was 18 years old. He's 56 now. And you read this and you're like, man, this guy still loves what he does. He's still really enjoying it because he always liked the idea of taking these computers and customizing it, making something that somebody wants. And then how do I do this in a way where somebody can, not unlike Robles, order my custom gi and then get it a day later? And he's like, so that became him having offices all over the world and supply chains and figuring these things out. So you could literally customize your Dell and the next day it comes to your house and he gets a thrill out of that. And I read that. I was like, there's a guy who's still passionate about what he does. And then you read about like Tony Shea, we talked about a long time ago, the guy who started Zappos, where it was like, you could tell once the company was successful, this guy was trying to find some sort of meaning. And you read about the last few months of his life and he's like, throwing these parties and kind of like inviting all these strangers that he's like paying to live at different places. And he was doing all these weird experiments and he kind of killed himself. I mean, he, it was sort of an accident, but sort of not. He was doing all this, like, let me see how long I can de you know, deprive myself of oxygen experiments. And it's like, like you said, you're looking for a way out. You know what I mean? Like that's in a fight. People look for a way out. They look to injure themselves or whatever. And then you see this in life when someone is their their why no longer matters or whatever. You see people look for a way out in life mm -hmm. and they start doing really risky, stupid stuff where you're like, why are you doing this? And yeah. I think partly it's they're looking for a way out of life. So it's like the yeah. correlation between the athlete who their why is no longer strong. I've seen this happen before, even in jujitsu stuff, I, like somewhat famous jujitsu people where they had gained fame by you know winning and doing certain things. The next year, whatever the big tournament comes along, they get injured like a week before. And it's like, why did they get injured? And it's like part of it, it you know, the injury might be legit, but it's like the way they were training, whatever. It's like, I kind of think they wanted to get injured because there was so much pressure. Mm -hmm. And all they thought about was, well, I'll never do as well as I did before. So what's the point of doing it again? You see people look for that way out. And I think a lot of it is just not having that good why and not understanding that the why can change. Like as you get successful or get older, your why is changing. You know, as you get older on the mat, your why is no longer like, well, I don't want people to pick on me and I want self-confidence. It's like, no, okay, I'm 50. I just, I want to be able to train and hang out with my friends and getting on the mat every day I get on the mat is a victory. So my why at 50 is going to be very different than my why at 25, where it's like, no, I'm going to smash everybody. But that's okay. I think that is the key to longevity is having a solid why and understanding that that why will evolve over time. And if you don't allow it to evolve, or if you don't have that solid why, you're gonna burn out. And we've seen that happen in combat, we've seen that happen in business, we've seen that happen in in life itself. So. Yeah, I, the only thing I would add to that, because I think that that's, that's beautiful, is, is knowing your why and understanding that your why is going to evolve and that it should, because you as a human being, as you gain experience and wisdom and you grow older, you are evolving, right? Yes. Your yes. why when you're a 10 shouldn't be the why when you're 50, right? I mean, that's just, 
Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Not. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the only thing that I would probably add to that is that um, you uh, understanding that knowing to walk away from like knowing to change when your why changes, right? I mean, so in other words, when your why changes, you go against nature because you're worried about what the other people think about you because yeah. you're about to make this life-changing decision, right? Yeah. You're about to move in this other direction. And people that care about you, people that have been there with you, that have allowed you to get to the success that you've gotten to in this past life, because yeah. it is about to be a past life. You're about to put this in the rear view. Yeah. Um, you're worried about them. You're worried about what they think and, and, and their sacrifices have become your sacrifices and you don't want to let them down. But I'm going to tell you right now that you're going against nature of what's natural yeah. and you're starting to, you're going to start swimming against the current and that's why you will not have longevity. You're going to get tired really quick. You're yeah. going to burn out really quick. And guess yep. what? What you did not want to happen is what's going to happen. You're going to, not only are you going to let them down, you're going to let them down in the worst way possible, which is going back to Habib. Yeah. I, let's say he did get burned out. Yeah. Um, I almost take my hat off to him because he exited at the top. Didn't let anybody, didn't, didn't let people down. People may have wanted him to fight some more, yeah. but they're like, Hey, Habib did pretty good. And, and what, what he promised he gave us, right. Yeah. He was going to go to the top and he was going to take us with him. And, and here we are, we got there. And yep. then he switched directions and he's taken his same crew with him, right? Like, okay, I'm not fighting anymore, but I'm still taking you with me wherever I'm going if you want to follow. And if you don't, yeah. I, I respect you and I'm still going to support you in, in this area. The worst thing that can happen is that when you keep trying to be someone who you are no longer, yes. you evolve, you have a change and you're trying to be someone you're not. That is why Carter and I have always preached and we're not preaching to you, we're preaching to ourselves. You, gotta, <laughs> you have to be authentic. Yeah. You have to be authentic to who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's um, when you start letting your why be affected by other people's expectations, like you said, it's not going to last. And you will come to resent those people, too. Like if you're allowing somebody else to dictate the terms of your happiness and your life and your mentality, sooner or later, you're going to resent that person. And there's there's no need for that, because ultimately, if people are your friends and your loved ones and all that, they want what's best for you and they want your happiness too. So yes. if you're achieving that, then over the long run, they will be happy for you, even though you have to realize in the short run, I'm sure if Mo told his boxing coach, hey coach, guess what? I'm quitting. He's probably like, screw you Mo, but I've met your boxing coach before. So I know that he likes you now. So even if you didn't like him for a few months, he likes you now 20 years later. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. Boom. I love it, man. This was such a great episode, even for me to kind of walk down memory lane and, and re-examine the why. It's always a good thing to do, especially since we have just started this new year. I think that's something that you do in the middle of the year. You do something at the beginning of the year. Always reevaluate re the why and examine the strength of your why and, and being yeah. honest with yourself and being authentic. Man, I love it. To check out this episode or to re-listen to our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Also check us out on Apple iTunes, like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles, mix of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic, Robles. We make custom geese. Yellow Pine Investments makes custom warehouses. Be sure to check them out. Kalen Callista, Sneaky Submissions. Uh, we have Steve Hordensky with Jiu-Jitsu on the go. Great online training platform. Be sure to check them out. And if you're in the Austin area, check out Chaparral Moving. They have moving down to a science. I am Mo. 
That is my partner in crime and brother, Carter Fisk. And as always, we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the map. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat. <laughs>